0: Wait. We- hello folks. Uh, welcome to We The Peeps. This is the US Soccer Podcast in which you're gonna get to know everything that you need to know. Maybe don't wanna know. Maybe learned about the USMNT. I'm Ty, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm Kwame, I am a doctor. We're both very disappointed (laughs) Disappointed (laughs) The the energy is way different on this show Than the last show (laughs) Oh, Down in the
1: tracks It's we the peeps It's we the peeps Welcome to we the peeps are you ready for we the peeps
0: holy moly it's we the peeps the game was united states united states against paanama in paanama the u.s went down to central america for the first time since a surprise four nil triumph in honduras in the last qualifying window we thought maybe we would see some similar things from the US. And it was similar in that the first half was awful in both games. Unfortunately, the second half in this Panama game did not uh, live up to the standard uh, set by the, the prior squad. So, as always, we're going to line them up. But first, we are going to uh, do a little housekeeping sweep noise. <laughs> I don't have that file, so that's actually what's what it's going to be. That's
1: going to be awesome.
0: Uh, so uh, thank you for being here this We The Peeps. If you like our show, the most important thing that you can do to support our show is to go to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. And that helps us show up more highly when people search for soccer on uh, Apple Podcasts or other podcast stores. You can always go to Patreon and support us. We really deeply appreciate everybody who supports us on Patreon, it costs five bucks a month you can help us out help us produce this show, the show is not free, and we need your help to, to keep it going so thank you for doing that and thank you to anybody who, who has become a patron so far, we are on all the socials you can hear lots of, uh, you know, usually complaining uh, about about various things on our social media channels, but we, we, we have kind of like an enthusiasm going where you, we're, I'll, I'll give us some credit. We're usually more positive than, than most. Uh, the last night was tough uh, and and I think that's it. One last thing I wanna mention is we do have a new visual identity coming out, a new brand coming out designed by my dear friend, Andre, my colleague at Cantilever, which is my web design company. He did a great job for us. So look forward to re- revealing all of that to everyone. And if you see a new look, that's what's up. We'll make a full announcement when that happens. Um, I think that's it. Let's line them up. Get out oh, there boys.
1: We, we, can, we can't stop the uh, episode now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the most positive part of the episode. Yeah. All right, get out there guys, uh, straight from MLS and into our hearts. Starting with Maddie Twohands, Matt Turner in goal again. Welcome to the Turnerverse. In front of him, we had Walker Zimmerman and Mark McKenzie, formerly of Philadelphia Union. On the left, Baby Bello, George Bello, uh, making another, uh, yet another appearance for for this national team, uh, with very little reason. Uh, Shaq Moore out on the right finally got his time to shine in a a field full of uh, of, of decent right backs. He he got the start and um, didn't show uh, much to separate him from the rest. Uh, Yedlin came on for him later in the game. Starting in the middle was Kellen Acosta, controversial figure on this show. My former Pookie baby. Now he 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 irritates me. People think I'm too too harsh on Kellen Acosta. I wonder what they're thinking today. In front of him in the midfield, we had Sebastian Lejet too legit to quit, but he quit a lot on the play last night. And Yunus Musa started. You know him, you love him. Yunus Musa was a shadow of his former self. We'll get to that, replaced by Tyler Adams later in the game. The front line started out as Paul Ariola, Jiasi Zardes, and Tim Wea, which we're, we're, we'll, get, we'll, get to, we'll get to Zardes. We, we've been increasing in confidence in him. And then he he unfortunately showed us a lot of the, the old traffic cone today, uh, yesterday, including a traffic cone deflected own goal. Uh, replacing those players later on would be Brendan Aronson, who came on and did... Brendan Aaronson, things Ricardo Pepe, who came on and did pretty much nothing. And Christian Roldan, just the guy you want to come on when you need a goal late. That was the the the, the, the personnel for this matchup. It unfolded with uh, basically Panama on the front foot the entire game. The U.S. never really got a foothold, never really had a great stretch within the game. There was a Zimmerman chance in the third minute. Um... Later on in the in the 14th minute, as Panama started to take control, there was a, an inexplicable miss by by Blackburn, the, the Panamanian striker, where he basically just whiffed at a ball that was across that was put in perfectly for him. Um, there was in the in the 18th minute another warning sign for the U.S. A big chance for Panama off of a throw-in, a very rapidly taken throw-in that Panama managed to use to maneuver around the entire U.S. defense. Um, there were a couple incidents in the box that the US had some right to be aggrieved. there was a, a, a shirt tug on Paul Ariola and there were a couple other incidents where people felt like there might have been a foul but but not not enough to, to get a call especially on the road. Um, we had a, a, a series of Olympico attempts by Panama feeling themselves in the middle of the first half. One of them led to a uh, Matt Turner and then the next one led to a Matt Turner, Turnerverse, save, top corner. Um, the, pardon me, in the, I can't even read my own handwriting. Oh yeah. In the 34th minute, there was a, a absolutely terrible touch uh, somewhere in the U.S. midfield that led to to a corner and then a huge, huge Turner save from a close shot. Turner coming up big there. We had a bad offsides call against the U.S., maybe one of the only good attacking moves uh, that got got snuffed out by that. And um, in the 45th minute, we saw Turner, hero and villain at the same time, attempt to pass into midfield. The pass did not work out, ended with the turnover for Panama, but uh, Matt Turner ends up making a giant, giant save with his with his arm uh, to end the first half to prevent the dagger. U.S. goes in at halftime, 0-0, zero, zero, lucky to be in at 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, U.S. brings in Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams immediately comes in and, and uh, clobbers somebody, nearly gets a yellow there. And then in the 54th minute, we finally saw the Panama breakthrough. The U.S. just never really got much of a foothold in, and then Panama had a uh, a, a corner a pretty standard situation in which they whipped in a ball they missed I believe maybe made glancing contact but Yossi Zardes was in the right place at the right time to lay a delicious finish onto this Panamanian uh, corner kick in the 62nd minute another incident where the U.S. maybe felt a little bit aggrieved Walker Zimmerman uh, impeded on a corner where he's attempting to get his head to the ball Gets pulled back, but no call for the U.S. The U.S. continued to play the ball out of the back this entire game. We'll talk about that. Uh, it led to a lot of uh, nervous nervous moments, and uh, especially when Matt Turner was involved. Um, later on in the game, as the, the dark arts started to happen, as Panama started to realize that they were 20 minutes away from a, a famous win over the U.S., 15 minutes away, you had a head injury that took maybe... Sp- seven, eight minutes off the clock just dealing with that one head injury somehow it led to no additional subs, even though maybe they're supposed to have additional subs. And in the, uh, the latter stages of extra time, uh, of injury time, rather, we had some uh, pitch invaders. We had people kicking extra soccer balls out of the field, chaotic scenes in Panama as we were used to. But of course, Panama finding a way to cling on to that one-nothing lead, nothing doing for the U.S., a a really heartbreaking, difficult loss for this young U.S. team. Kwame, what were your first impressions?
1: The specific specific thing is to to look at the lineup and all the changes that were made, some forced, some not. Um, But also that this is not, at least the first half is not something new. Uh, I think I saw a statistic that this is now eight straight games that the US has not scored in the first half. And we continually what? yeah, what? and we continually need to rescue oh we, we continually need to, to rip up the script and fix a bad first half. And you can only do that so many times. And and the second thing I'll point to is that we now have two wins in qualifying. And our two wins are the two teams that are at the bottom of the table in the octagonal. Uh, and that's it. So I think also however happy we've been about the Honduras wins, which again was terrible to begin with. Uh, and then Jamaica where we also were comfortable, we didn't score in the first half we're beating up against the minnows and we're not getting results against anyone else at least the results that we should be looking for this is not anything new that the result is new in terms of we haven't lost to panama in a long long time but the the performance is not anything new
0: so what is it what what what's your what's your read on it you know is it is it a, a bad mentality is it a bad starting 11 is it the tactics is it Something else, crowd pressure.
1: I think that Verhalter is a below average coach who is very dedicated to the team and who tries really hard, uh, but in three years has not been able to instill uh, a tactical plan uh, and or demonstrate sharp acumen in terms of in-game adjustments. And so we have a plan that despite him being the coach for three years is not being well understood and well executed. It's happening slowly. It's also not, I think it's also relatively easy for the opposition to plan for. I don't think we're surprising anyone. And so when we are winning, we're winning on depth or we're winning on individual quality of play, or we're winning when the other team's manager is worse than Berhalter is, because Berhalter, you know, I want to say he's like a, I want to say he's like terrible or doesn't care or anything like that, but he is a mediocre coach. You know, we talk a lot about MLS, right? And there's all this tension like, oh, MLS is not good enough, or it is good enough, and I think you and I are of the opinion that. Uh, MLS can certainly represent the national team, but you've got to be the elite of MLS to do so. And Greg Berhalter was not an elite MLS coach. You know, I pulled up his record uh, at the crew. He was 74 wins, 49 draws, and 70 losses for a win percentage of 38%. um, And he was 2-5 and in the playoffs. That's a mediocre record for an MLS coach. And the fact that that's being translated into the national team is not a surprise.
0: Wow. So can you just break down what it is that a, the mediocre how the mediocrity actually manifests itself when you have a coach who is, you know, maybe, maybe not as advanced as you would like for the national team, what are the decisions that are being made? What are the tangible effects that that has on the team? So, one, I think that
1: he, in terms of like his instruction, right, I mean, you know, there are many jobs to being a good coach, a good manager, right, and one of them is drawing things up and, and teaching people like, okay, this is, this is how we want to play, these are the complexities, these are the patterns, when this happens, you got to do this, and this is the reason why, right, so the, the players are sort of fully on board and understanding what their role is, and so, Uh, And so that everyone is kind of on board and knowing how the team is going to play so that if someone else needs to come in, right. They're not having to figure out, Oh, I haven't played with, you know, this person before, like, how do we play together? Have to sort of feel it out. It's like, I'm the left back. This is what the left back in our system does. And when the ball moves here and the other team does this, we do this. Right. Um, But then also within that, if you see a, so, and if you're then scouting the other team, right? You're coming up with a plan and an approach that is somewhat unique to that other team. You're not necessarily mm-hmm. ripping everything up mm-hmm. and switching formations every game, although you could. Although that's much easier in a club team, right? When you've got right. day in and day yeah. out, right? Yeah. But exactly. but you but you know you you make adjustments, right? Both before the game so that you have a tactical advantage or certain things that you're wanting to emphasize so that you're getting, you're hitting the ground running. And then when you're seeing something that's either not working or an advantage that you, that you differently want to exploit, you can quickly and efficiently communicate it to the teams like, okay, we're doing this now. Right. And it should be boom, boom, boom. Okay. This is what, and, and the team is like a well-oiled machine moving in that. And we have, uh, I would Say never seen that. we very, or very, very rarely have we seen that. Um, and you know, when we have, it hasn't seemed like a particularly deliberate, uh, deliberate thing that's that's happening. Now, d- just to play devil's advocate, though,
0: the U.S. did win both summer trophies with two yeah. different squads, beating Mexico in two different finals, beating Tata Martino twice. How do, you, how do you reconcile that with the vision of Greg Burhalter as being a, a mediocre coach? When you, you assume Tata Martino is a, is a
1: quite good coach. Tata Martino is a good and who's, who wanted the US job and whose resume, uh, for, also for people who don't know. So the year that Burhalter before Burhalter was hired, uh, Tata, he was a coach in MLS and so was Tata Martino, the current coach of Mexico. They were both coaches in MLS. Tata Martino's team won the championship. I think they won the, the best record and they won the playoffs. Uh, Burhhalter, I think, qualified for the playoffs but was knocked out in like you know the quarterfinals or something like that. Tata Martino has coached Argentine national team. He's coached Barcelona. He's coached, I think, many teams in Mexico. He's coached at as high a level as you can. Aside from Burhalter's time at the Columbus Crew, so one team in MLS for five years, he coached for one and a half or two seasons in the Swedish second division. Okay. Um, and, and those were the two resumes that were on the table in front of U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer chose Greg Berhalter and also waited for him for a year. And, you know, and there are, other, there are other people in consideration as well, but that that's who that's who chose Berhalter. But coming back to the Mexico question, the bulk of the U.S.'s games under Berhalter, I think, have been played at home. You know, with Nations League um, and, uh, you know, the Gold Cup, those were home tournaments. And, you know, we talk a lot about having hostile crowds, uh, and that that is a factor right, when we play in U.S. soil, but we're also playing on U.S. soil in places that we're comfortable, places that we know. There's not there's not any sort of travel. Other teams are, are traveling um, to us, and it's you know it, it's it's not the same as going to Azteca, right? Uh, it may be a very pro Mexico crowd in Chicago or Denver, or any number of places, but it's not the Azteca. Yeah,
0: sixty percent is not ninety five
1: percent. And it's also not that we had these, uh, you know, sort of brilliant game plans or had Mexico really much on like the back foot. These were very tight run affairs. Um, Mexico also had a very changed lineup in some of these games. So again, it's, it's uh, the word I would say is, you know, is mediocrity, right? Where we can squeak out results, but we're not playing well. And over time, particularly when the stakes get higher, um, then were being found out.
0: Is there a specific thing that you saw in the Panama game that stood out to you as sort of like evidence of a Greg out mentality?
1: The whole team played poorly and didn't seem to be working coherently together. Didn't seem to be on the same page. Didn't really seem to know how to fix things. Um, I thought that his substitutions didn't really help the situation um you know putting in adams but taking off musa when you had established a bit of a of a good dynamic there in that in that first game um, and you know i thought Aronson for areola made sense um, but then also you know using up all of your substitutions all five of your substitutions by the 68th minute leaving yourself no recourse or flexibility to respond to anything that was happening after that, using one of those substitutions to swap right backs when, um, when Shaq Moore was not having a great game, but he wasn't necessarily standing out as someone terrible. And it it tied our hands for the rest of the game. There weren't any more substitutions that we could make and what was the what was the tactical advantage from substituting Yedlin in for more it's not clear it didn't seem to like we were playing a different way um, and it didn't and and it didn't also seem as if the way we were playing was set up to succeed that it was that it was anything that panama wouldn't be prepared for
0: right right well yeah so in the first half, the thing that was just like jumping off the screen to me was this like humongous Tyler Adams shaped zone mm-hmm. in front of the back line where we we just kept struggling to to build up and maintain possession and get a rhythm and Panama kept exploiting that space. And I think Kellen Acosta was supposed to be there, but it seemed like he was able to freelance all over the place. There was even a moment where I saw him pop up at right back. Mm-hmm. with with shaq Moore playing almost like a like a right winger so so that that seemed like a, a good place to start was like having a midfield that could control yeah. the game <laughs> yes <laughs> the jet was just so bad um Acosta was was you know even even worse than uh what what we've been used to seeing well I say even worse because I kind of have like a negative impression of him a lot but definitely below the standard that we've we've come to expect uh from the new renewed um Kelly Acosta. And it just felt like everybody was flat. All the the touches were so bobbly. The, the, the incisiveness of movement wasn't there. The energy wasn't there. And there were just a lot of sloppy touches and a lot of, you know, I saw even, you know, passing the ball out of bounds and just really amateurish stuff. And, uh, funny, one funny thing is, uh, my, uh, my colleague at work, he, he rarely watches, um, the US and he decided to watch last night and he texted me he's he's from South Africa and he's a he's a Liverpool fan um and so he's he's used to watching you know yeah the EPL and and the higher level uh soccer he's like how are can can professional players at this level be so bad I was like you know dude like every 10 US games this shit happens (laughs) I have no idea right I don't know what to tell you it's it's like a a C team but they're still like professionals who should uh, in theory be at a higher level yeah Let, why don't yeah. we key in on one okay okay so so this is a i think this is a good microcosm for the entire conundrum of the whole situation and the, the mls thing and everything mm-hmm. giassi's mm-hmm. artists yeah so we have ricardo pepe who after the last game is clearly the u.s is number nine right i mean if you're if you're playing a game for your life tomorrow you're going mm-hmm. for pepe and however you cannot play, you cannot start the same players three times in a window. It's just not a good idea. These games are too fast. The travel is too intense. And so you have to rotate. So you have to find moments where even if you know someone is the best, you have to find a way to bring in their backup. And it felt like just these was the backup that you know, maybe maybe Jordan uh, Sipachu would have a word or maybe, you know, some uh, Daryl Dike, some other kind of fringe guys. But but I felt Jesse Zardis coming in here, even as someone who's been very doubtful of him in the past, like, that's reasonable. That's a reasonable choice. And he just showed up as the old Zardis. So I, I, it's like, is this a tactical mistake? Is this a roster mistake? Is this a talent problem? What's going on here? And ha- how did this end so badly?
1: Zardis is a player that has a very long connection with Berhalter. They trust each other a lot, I think. Berhalter has also, I think, been, when he was... Zardes' coach, been a significant reason why Zardes improved noticeably. Uh, So, you know, I do think it's important to give them both credit for that. But I think that Zard the reason that Zardes is the clear number two is that he's been around a long period of time and not necessarily that he's more qualified or effective. Uh, I mean, we could say, yes, Zardes should have been the number two, but why was he more qualified to be the number two over Matthew Poppy, for example? I, I don't think there is a reason except for I, Halter, I think, is by nature uh, a little uh, conservative and tends towards the familiar. Uh, and... And he doesn't see Hoppy as, as a forward. Uh, and so, sure, you know, you can rotate, but also like, what was Zardis, you know, what, what was Zardis supposed to be doing in this game? Um, and was it clear to him? And then is that uncertainty kind of feeding on itself, right? Um, I think also other people have talked about, you know, players like Ariola or Zardis or Leggett or um you know others who i think we would probably consider at times useful but generally sort of fringe national team players like if you surround them in a really good structured and talented team then they can do a lot but if you're asking them to be the core then things fall apart and i think that's that's what we that's what we saw we didn't see a good game from sardis um you know we we saw him having to try to you know, it's to sort of lead the line, to sort of um, you know combine with with Ariel and, and way and it wasn't it wasn't working, and his touch was and his touch was poor, and it was a little frantic, and you know the and um, and and it wasn't clear that, that the team felt set up for success and kind of knew what they were going to be doing uh, against Panama, um, and you know I'm not sure I, I'm not sure what Panama it, there may also have been things that I didn't necessarily pick up on things you know, that, that Panama was doing to unsettle us. Uh, and that, and then was the problem that we didn't respond, you know? Um, like, I know they were pressing our center backs, where right? you talked about, we tried to play it out of the back and it was shaky, right? And, and, you know, probably part of the reason that they, they decided to, to press there the way they did is that Turner is a great mm-hmm. goal stopping goalier, but he's not as strong with his feet. Right. You know, Stefan wasn't here and that's, you know, that's not Berhalter's, you know, full, but yeah, that Stefan wasn't here. Yeah. And so if seeing that, right, should we have adapted and, you know, played less out of the back knowing that they knew, that we knew, that they knew, <laughs> you know, that there's not to be
0: Like I was thinking about the the rhythm of this because it's Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. Yeah. And so I feel like to ask anybody to start Thursday, Sunday is a lot. I mean, I guess that mm-hmm. that does happen that happens in MLS. That happens in Europe when they, uh, yeah. especially if they're playing cup games. Um, but I mean, that's that's pretty intense, especially with a, a full travel day in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I felt like the natural thing is to go for the bookend. You know, put you play your A squad on the the two uh, outer games, and you play the backups in the middle. Mm-hmm. But the trouble with that approach is that the middle game of this window happens to be the hardest by far. Right of the three games so so we ended up trotting out probably hopefully our weakest lineup of the window in the hardest game and of course in a a game like this whenever we have to rotate that it's going to be a huge opportunity for the other team because every team is going to bring their a game against the u.s you know so it's kind of a conundrum it's like let's say Zardes as the number two just is a thing you know that's decided what do we do to minimize the damage of the downgrade, or and that goes for a lot of these players, right. not just just not just artists,
1: right? Well, I mean, I would question why I would question why is decided, um, uh, why why necessarily this artist should be the number two. I don't know if that's the case, I don't know if he's clearly done enough to prove that. I mean, we're not there in practice and in camp. Let's yeah. say
0: you know, you know, it's you want to bring in hoppy, like, do you think that's the right approach is to do like the bookends and then. You know, what do you do about the fact that this Panama game is probably the hardest game?
1: Yeah, you can either as you guys have been talking about, right? You can have an A squad or a B squad, right? You got your, you got your away, you got your away crew, right And you're, you're like, okay, you guys, you've got the Panama game, right? You guys are on this field over here and all you, you're practicing together. And I don't want you to even looking over here at the A team. You guys are my 30 dozen, you know? Um, so, you know, you could have that approach or you can try to rotate as little as possible, like win the first game and then, you know, sort of risk things a little bit more for the second game. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's there and that allows us to do that a little bit more, right? Is bringing a larger squad. Right. Again, mm-hmm. you know. Again, we did not bring as many as we could have.
0: Wait, say, wait, wait, wait. We were allowed to bring more players. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. So, so, so tell me more. More players, <laughs> yeah. you say?
1: More players. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell if you being sarcastic. So no, trying, they, but... so
0: they just could have brought. They could have just said like, "Oh, Conrad De La Fuente, come on in." And yeah, like all these guys, they they just decided it wasn't even worth it for them to travel.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we called in twenty seven. You know, okay. I mean, even uh, which I'm, I'm pretty sure is not the limit. I think we can call in as many as thirty, but we called in twenty-seven, and then Reem and Brooks couldn't couldn't come, and then we we just called Zimmerman as a replacement. So we're we I think we're again at twenty-six, um, and then but we also knew that for the Panama game, um, most likely we couldn't bring Robinson um, and um, right right. So it's and,
0: twenty-four available for Panama. And you're going right. to burn at least ten of those guys on injury, or oh, sorry, on just on fatigue from the first three. Right.
1: Right. Although interestingly enough, Ariola played ninety minutes against uh, Jamaica and, and started. started this game, uh, which Weird. was curious, right? So and it's like,
0: yeah, there's there's no unified theory here.
1: right Right. they're done there okay i think i'm looking for
0: something that just doesn't exist
1: (laughs) right and i think and that's right which is the problem i think right like i think there's a there's a there's a there's a attempt to figure things out and i also think that maybe things got sort of thrown on their ear with McKenney picking up that
0: injury injury yeah right
1: um but I, i think there also wasn't a clear enough sort of plan b right so um you know, there is no replacement for Tyler Adams at the six, right? Period. I think that in yeah. in certain times for like a, a bit of the game, right, like Acosta or someone else can kind of come in and fill his shoes, but not, you know, not from the get-go, not from a, a difficult game, and particularly not if they're going to sort of maybe focus on our, our number six. Um, so then, uh, as much as we talked last episode that you don't like different you know formations <laughs> if you're if you're saying no. okay i don't have another six should you be flexible enough to say all right well then we're better off with acosta and someone else in a double pivot like acosta musa acosta, Leggett, or, weston, Torre, or whatever
0: enough enough muscle in midfield right like weston weston get can get stuck in i know it's not his best thing but more so than than the jet
1: right certainly yeah 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 and I so I, I didn't think there was a clear, there was a kind of solid adaptation. And then also, you know, I think Berhalter doesn't always recognize what's going wrong or who's sort of struggling, right? It's been, you know, Acosta and Leggett were really struggling. And, you know, Musa did not have a great first half, but I don't think that he was the, of the three that was an issue. I don't think yeah, that yeah. he was the main issue. I, I think, think, you know, he got hooked because, you know, were, you're were thinking about playing him in the third game and okay, maybe, but things are, you know, are not going well, you know, I have another um,
0: theory on that. So I think he got hooked because there was a moment like it was like the 20th minute or something where he tried to like a fancy turn, mm-hmm. like he, he, he received the ball from a center back and he tried to kind of dance around with it and he lost the ball
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and coaches hate that shit. So you you go with the you know reliable MLS uh, midfielder who will just pass the ball sideways instead of try.
1: I mean, I think that that definitely is a is a difference right between between Musa and you know Acosta and lejet.
0: <laughs> Musa has some Risa. positivity.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, like you know he's got you know oh, you know well, there are well. some times where he makes some some risky choices, right? But I don't think he's a reckless player. I mean, I do think he's also he's young, right, and he's like exuberant. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I I don't, you know, I don't think that he's a a player who, you know, is continually putting his team in a bad position. Yeah, he's not. He's often retaining the ball, right?
0: Yeah, he's doing that so that he can get an advantage, not so that he can look
1: right. And I think also there are times where the simple passes to advance the ball kind of weren't in evidence. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Where when he was looking around to do something. So he's spending more time on the ball, trying to wait for something good to happen. Right, and it's, right. It's not
0: the entire qualifying cycle last go around. We talked about this myth in U.S. soccer that what you need to do to qualify is win your home games and draw on the road. And a draw on the road in cap, thats a good result. Doesn't matter if you're playing a bunch of, you know, Saint Kitts and Nevis under 11s. It's on the road, so it's going to be tough for the U.S. We saw in this in this uh, iteration of the Panama game. I did not see the same kind of difficulties in the conditions that I typically see. I thought the field was better. The crowd was for some reason, not that strong for this game. Maybe there's some COVID restriction in place or something like that, but lots of empty seats. It was a very reasonable, accommodating start time, reasonable time of the year, not like super hot or anything. So do you like what do you think like what kind of effect did the did the conditions have on the performance and is that even a reasonable thing to to take into account anyway
1: I mean, even the pitch invader seemed kind of polite. <laughs> 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 <Casual>. <laughs> like he just kind of strolled on, and like he's like short. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: that guy—he—he he kind of looked like he knew what he was doing. He looked yeah. like a like a team official
1: or something. Yeah, yeah. I was like, was that what? And then they kind of like, okay, 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 cool, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. I mean, I think it—you know—it is—it is more difficult to be on the road, obviously. But no, I don't think that if—if if we're aspiring to. Be as good as we want to be. We can't say, "Oh, you know, our best we can do on the road is is to draw." That's just because our, ambition, not that, our ambition. Our right. ambition
0: is to get that precious point on the road.
1: Right. Right. I it think that's
0: sick. As an American yeah. and a, a proud American, it makes me sick to my stomach.
1: Well, probably also as someone who values like statistics. What if we went to <laughs> Iwo
0: Jima trying to get a point on the road?
1: Are you kidding me, people? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's it's really it's really a bad. I think it's really a bad sort of point of view, and I don't know if the team went in with that. You know, I think that they probably did go in expecting to win, but also expecting that it would be really hard you know, and not that they could have control of the game, not that they could sort of win. And, you know, I think that this is a game that was going to be difficult, right? It was going to be, you know, Panama's a difficult defensive team. They're going to, you know, they're going to be well-organized. They seem like a very well-coached, sort of prepared team. Yep. Um, but we did not, you know, but we did not go in there in, in a way that was going to allow us to have success. And I don't think that there was the requisite self-belief, right? I'm not so sure, I don't, I, as I said in the last episode, I don't think effort is really where my brain goes to in terms of what's happening in these games, right? I think it has more to do with self-belief and also certainty, right? Certainty of of action, right? Certainty of, of the team and its approach that, your teammate is going to be where you, where you need them to be again, not cause like they don't care about you or they're not going to back you up. Right. But more like, all right, if I make this sprint, right. Like I'm going to turn around and like these two people have shifted to cover for me. Like, I don't, I don't have to hesitate about that right. at all. Um, and instead we're just in a much more kind of tentative, like, like, you know, let's pass it sideways or maybe this person will go here and like, Oh, like I got to trap this ball perfectly and like oh I didn't and everything is kind of broken down. Yeah,
0: there's there's a lot of tightness. There's a lot of there's a lot of of sort of trying to avoid the big mistake. Right, as opposed to as opposed to trying to open things up and Mm try to create create advantages. The last thing that I wanted to talk about in that regard is the subs, and I was actually confused about this because i watched the spanish broadcast my spanish is okay okay i think i heard them saying that if you have a head injury you are allowed to have another sub and i also i also was it has it been five am i missing something there i thought there were six in some competitions was that maybe just like gold cup or something
1: uh six is generally like in friendly oh yeah in the friendlies right right yeah, but yeah, it's right. been okay. five in like the competitive ones but did, sort of did they post-COVID. discuss
0: this opportunity to replace acosta
1: there was some the, confusion the, about CBS? it yeah yeah okay, okay like i think but but yes i think it was also like yeah like they think they should be able to um i'm i know that this has been implemented in some uh, uh, leagues and confederations um i couldn't swear <laughs> that it was conca and maybe you know maybe the, maybe no one was sure you know maybe the u.s soccer wasn't sure um but I, I do think that it is something that at least has been trialed um you know
0: what i'm remembering is the sixth in uh extra time so in the, both in the oh yes, cup there and in th- the uh, nation's league final there was that was like one of the threads in the nation's league final was that mm-hmm. greg like refused to use that last sub in extra time uh, but he didn't have to, like, he could have, he actually had an extra one, oh. which he didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, to be fair, that is quite confusing, but I, I sure hope so. I mean, I hope you can just take off a player who is potentially concussed. I mean, that was pretty gnarly.
1: I don't know who deserves the, the greater criticism for that. You know right right, right yeah right whether it's you know whether they were asking the fourth official and the fourth official was like nope not not in qualifiers but in the yeah, cup of, not you know, not
0: here yeah exactly <laughs> yeah
1: who, who knows but I, I think that that I think that that I think that it is a thing but I, I don't but, I don't know for sure
0: yeah yeah okay any any closing words on this uh, debacle I mean
1: I think what lineup we might have argued for, given the limitations that were there, right? Given the injuries, given the people that couldn't travel, right? You know, we've got these sort of seven lineup changes. Um, would we have done something different or was, you know, in, in, in fairness to Greg, were, were his hands tied a little bit? Although McKenzie wasn't necessarily the issue, right? Was, you know, he did he have to switch out Robinson, um, you know, generally, you know, generally center backs, you don't do a whole lot of swapping, you don't do a whole lot of rotation, even for the kind of fatigue purposes and, and Jamaica was a pretty comfortable game. So, um, you know, do you think you would have kept Robinson or do you do you think McKenzie was, were, you know, sliding him in, or would you have put Richards in, right? I'm not sure if that's the grin that's spreading across your face. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, yeah, I I, I would always uh, think of someone like Richards, but that mm-hmm. that's a, you know. It's kind of a peppy-ish situation from the last window where it's like, well, why didn't you find a way to get the guy 15 minutes in the last right. game, you know, so yes. he's at least get, gets, gets a feel for the rhythm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but so, so you, gave me, you gave me a couple good sort of knocks against the Burhalter approach. But the one that's really sticking out to me is that he could have brought more players. So I get there's injuries, shit happens, there's fatigue, all this stuff. But so we could have actually had, you know, maybe even just another body to play certain positions or, you know, a, a guy like uh, uh, Conrad De La Fonte, who I mentioned before. And then he, you know, not only that, but Matthew Hoppe who has no other job than to come into a game where we need an offensive spark, right? For him to not come in and have see Christian Roldan come in and, and flail around on the left wing instead of Matthew Hoppe felt like a pretty big knock to me. So I, I I'm, I'm coming away from this a little bit more uh, swayed that this was Greg's fault. Um, Cause I, I come like right after watching the game, I thought it was basically just execution, but I'm seeing a little bit more of what, what we could have done differently to
1: make it a better situation. Yeah. I don't know what he's wanting the players to execute. And after three years, i feel like i should have a pretty clear idea it has changed
0: a lot hasn't it yeah it has changed a lot all right well goodbye to the panama game luckily the united states still sits second in the table however second and sixth in the table right now uh only separated by three points if i recall so it is a really really thin margin that the u.s is holding on to here and the next game this Costa Rica game, this is a weak Costa Rica team. Typically, going into the, the uh, World Cup qualifying uh, tournament, we expect that Costa Rica is going to be one of our hardest opponents. It's not the case this time. So this is a game we absolutely have to win, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we certainly need to win it. I mean, I think we needed to win it even before this, but certainly after the Panama loss, uh, this is a game that we need to win. Uh, I mean, Costa Rica uh, you know, it's not the strength that they once that they, that they were, um, you know, I think there's still a lot of players that they've relied on historically, and they're not a huge nation by any means. So they're going to have ebbs and foes. Um, but yeah, this is a game that we, we definitely need to win.
0: We're going to Columbus. We're not going to Columbus for the Mexico game this time around. I think it's in, uh, it's in Cincinnati,
1: the Mexico game. Yes. yes, Yeah.
0: So, so we're breaking the streak. We're burning our Columbus card on on this Costa Rica game. Um, Do you think that this is a a, a good venue choice uh, to to swap the the cities from from the Mexico game after what happened in the last cycle?
1: Honestly, I think it's hard for me to feel good (laughs) about U.S. soccer's choices about where to have these games, you know? (laughs) I mean, I think that there are certain cities right where you're more likely to have immigrants or people whose roots are in these countries that we're playing than, than kind of others, but
0: like New Jersey and
1: coastal. Right. But also, you know, but also, um, you know, writing off some of your biggest stadiums and, and uh, you know, also is, you know, it's not great. I mean, Columbus is a great, stadium right but if you play in Columbus all the time you're never going to have 70,000 people screaming you know you're going to have 20,000 25,000 yeah, right
0: something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah which is very different you know i mean i think that game in nashville right which was the um against uh against canada right um you know very pro us crowd but i think a lot of the commentary afterwards was like didn't really wasn't really like an intense crowd that kind of got hushed relatively easily. Um, so I mean I know Columbus has has long kind of been like a sort of fortress and they had sort of big roots both within MLS and uh, you know and and with the, the, the Mets national team. So you know it's fine. But I I again I would I would like to see us as a national team try to <laughs> try to establish more of a foothold in uh in the places where we feel like we can't go as our own national team in these big qualifiers you know yeah so Um, the
0: the the logic of it i mean i'm so used to like the cronyism of the entire mls u.s soccer soccer united marketing uh menage a trois that i expect that this is basically part of like you know oh you're going to we're going to send you a world cup qualifier because you're doing this for the for the national team or because of some sponsorship thing or whatever. Um I mean is it am I being too cynical there or is it like for for from competitive reasons shouldn't we just like play every fucking qualifier in portland or seattle and pack the building? Like what am I missing?
1: Uh yeah, I mean I don't think you can be too cynical <laughs> when it comes to US soccer. I'd be like, I hope I've made that a abundantly clear. Uh, and I don't know all the ins and outs. But yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the case. Um probably Portland and Seattle because they're turf, I think is probably why mm, they, yeah. they can't they can't do the qualifiers there. Is
0: longer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That, that that's probably part of it. But you know, but but I think we should try to establish someplace else as like, you know, the cauldron, right? That you don't want to have to come to when you play the US, right? And, you know, there would be, it would be a long-term effort to turn the Meadowlands, right, into that or MetLife Stadium or whatever it is, right? But I think that's something worth, I think that's (laughs) something (laughs) worth striving for, right? (laughs) But in the meantime, I think you can, I think you can think about other things.
0: Yeah, I think we could play Jamaica there. That'd probably be okay. But, well, um, I mean, also Costa Rica, Mexico, no thanks.
1: But I, I think, I think the the aim also should be, right? If you are, if if we're playing Mexico uh, in in the in New Jersey, like in the, the Meadowlands slash Medlife, right? Yes, there's going to be a lot of um, Mexican fans of the Mexican team, right? Um, many of whom are Mexican-Americans but voting for it, it when it comes to the two, they, they root for yeah. Mexico the rest of the time, right? But I think there's actually a lot of like fans who are like U.S. national team fans is like their number two and then mm-hmm. Mexico or Colombia or Venezuela or whatever, right? But I don't see why we can't say Mex- the, 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 the teams for whom Mexico is their number one team are going to come out and pull for Mexico. But the person for who Colombia is their number one, and the U.S. is for number two. Right. We want to get that person in the stadium, right, right. cheering we're not as loudly as out. possible. We're not.
0: We're not, right? we're not getting them out. We're not getting we're them not, out, and I think did, that,
1: yeah, and yeah, because yeah. you know, we're we're only giving them an opportunity to see the national team when we're they're playing their number one team. Right. You know?
0: Right. Exactly. So, and and if you want to go at any other time, it's going to be a minimum of uh, you know thirty eight bucks for a upper deck seat.
1: Yeah.
0: And plus plus parking plus food plus beer
1: right.
0: you're you know you take your kid to a, a soccer game it's 150 bucks for that. so but fact, I, I, that's not reasonable for for the vast majority of people and then yeah i i fully agree with you like i think we've we have completely lost the concept that the home crowd should be an edge like it's almost right. like for the u.s team it's just the absence of an away crowd yeah that's the edge. it's a safety you net know yeah. So that, that, okay, I'm I'm I want to take that back immediately because okay. I love the American Outlaws and everything that they bring, and they that is a, a, very clearly a an advantage and a highlight of everything that uh, you know everywhere that the U.S. plays. But it's still isolated. You know, you don't have this experience as a visiting team to a, a U.S. city that it's intimidating at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially when a, a lot of these players are used to playing in the the uh, MLS. Um, stadium so i mean man yeah that would be a, a killer thing if we could figure that out even if it's not in one of the big stadiums even if it's like a, a, one of the one of the mid-sized stadiums i feel like like audi field for instance in, in dc is maybe like 30k or something like that you know that's that's the kind of building there you could you could generate pretty good energy um and it, yeah it's just it, it it's so odd i yeah. can't think of another national team that's like that another serious national team or even a non-serious national team where they regularly rotate important games. Like, does this ever has is anyone else doing this?
1: I mean, I, I imagine not. Right. I mean, you know, we are geographically, you know, pretty huge. And I don't know, maybe Brazil does it to, to an extent. Right. But but they also have like the, you know, but even the ones that if you rotate around, like there is the big stadium. Right. Like right, if Brazil yeah, is playing right. Argentina in a home qualifier. You know where it is. You know where it is. Yeah. Right. And you know that it's you know, it's going to be, you know, a hellstorm to walk into. And we don't. We don't have that. We we had Columbus, which was a place where we consistently beat Mexico, and we had a crowd that was uh, in tune with that history. But it was not. It was not. I think big enough, sort of vociferous enough, right? To be, um, you know, to be like the place where people are like, I don't want to go there right as opposed to oh man we keep you know i imagine like if if i had to put myself in the shoes of like a mexican player it's like oh man we keep losing there like what's up with that like this this sucks as yeah, opposed to exactly. oh crap yeah, like I when i'm here right yeah. when i'm there like i can't hear myself think yes you know totally um and, and this
0: is possible there are yeah. enough of us there are enough of us It's just, it's finding like, for me, that's one part of the reason I'm so obsessed with this idea of like having a specific city, Mm -hmm. because then you can put roots in and you can say, okay, the U S team is going to be here for 10 months, trying to qualify for the world cup. We're going to advertise it as if it's a club team. They can concentrate all their advertising, all their PR, all Mm -hmm. of their media into one market and just focus on like, all right, game one, it's going to be like a normal U S qualifier, but by game, by game uh, seven, We want this place to be rocking because we've gotten buy-in over time, like made investments in 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 that location, and then you switch it up for next time. But that location forevermore is a U.S. soccer, you know, hotbed.
1: Yeah, maybe Atlanta. I mean, we've got all sorts of options, I think Atlanta is also turf, though, right? That's the other thing, right? Because like our best, we've got all these huge stadiums. Don't they put?
0: Can't they put grass for? uh, Yeah, they put grass if Messi's coming, right?
1: Yeah, I mean they'll put grass down for certain things, right? Yeah. You know, it, again, it's the question of the year. Uh, you know, one of our advantages, right, in the U.S. is we've got these huge, like, you know, NFL football stadiums that are only that are only booked by the main occupants eight Sundays a year. Yeah, exactly. Like that's yeah, it, Sunday you know. Exactly. And um, the rest
0: is Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi right. is like fifty times a year, right. and then it's empty right. outside of that.
1: Right. Yeah. Bon Jovi and uh, Aerosmith. <laughs> uh she she plays the barclays so. Uh, so yeah that's another long-term project i don't know they should all right, some all right. so that's that. not it's
0: not happening this time so we're exactly. we're gonna we'll take what we get in columbus i think it's going to be a very good crowd columbus always brings it but um yeah it's it, it would be tough to say as a costa rica fan that you're 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 scared or you're or sorry as a, as a costa rica player that you're intimidated uh by by the u.s crowd and, and in columbus. yeah and we'll have do, to see who's best, available for everybody who's there i mean throw some urine i don't
1: yeah. care yeah <laughs> yeah i mean this is not a knock on like this is not a lock knock on the like columbus fans or go, those who like go to like cheer on um you know the u.s in columbus right that that has been a really important yeah. part of u.s soccer i think both both for mls and then also for you know for like the, the men's national team um but, you know, as we, you know, as we seek to grow, right, in the this, in this country, right, we think there's, a, we'd like to be able to sort of expand that. You know, maybe we expand the Columbus Crew Stadium, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm down for that. Yeah, Take some the, US uh, soccer the, money, the, you know, expand.
0: Matthew Hoppy upper deck.
1: That's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that uh, sure, yeah. you got You gotta hop up and down the entire game. <laughs> if you hop up and down without stopping the entire it's game. Free. It's free, but as soon as you stop hopping, <laughs> you get booted out there and someone else takes your spot. Nice, nice And you nice, can't nice. come back for like a year because <laughs> you, you, you defile That's the nice. Matthew Hoppy hop stand.
0: All right. So I, I am pumped. We got to get three points. Come on, boys. Come on, Nats. Let's yeah. go. We got uh-huh. Wednesday, October 13th. United States versus Costa Rica. 7 p.m. We will be here on the live stream. Uh, it's going to be myself and my father, the professor, Mako Fujimura,
1: live, live, and
0: direct from an undisclosed location in Central New Jersey. Uh, we cannot wait to be with you. Join us for the join us for the stream. Chat with us on Twitter. Uh, give us your predictions up on there. And uh, can't wait, can't wait to do it. Can't wait to do it again. Watch the Nets get back on track here. All right, uh, we will wrap it up. We will talk to you again on Wednesday. And as always, I, I I love some things. I need to think of some things to love. I love burritos. I love tacos, which are basically the same, just twisted around a little bit. Yeah, I love nachos, which is a burrito with the tortilla cut off and turned it to tortilla chips with a burrito on top of it but i don't love any of that shit as much as i love the nuts. let's
1: go boys let's go mexican food aficionados please direct all your hate towards thai